Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we're cloudy with a chance of VMware as we get an update on VMware Cloud on AWS. So, settle back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to Tech Interviews. Uh, so about a year ago, I ran a show with uh, with VMware talking about VMware Cloud on AWS. It was a new release, just been announced at um, VMworld in, uh, last year. Uh, so I thought it was a good time to catch a bit of an update. Um, and it, this was partly inspired by some Tech Field Day presentations that I saw uh, some of my guests give on some of the things that we uh, can see not too far out coming with VMware Cloud on AWS um, and, and how it's uh, and, and why some of those developments are, are taking place and, and some of the challenges that they uh, they fix. So um, so to help me have that discussion today, I'm joined by uh, my guest, Glenn Sizemore. Hi, Glenn. Hey, how are we doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. Nice to talk to you again. It's It's been a little while. And um, so, so for people who don't know who you are, uh, Glenn, why not, um, before we jump into our topic, why don't you introduce yourself, tell people who it is you are and what it is you do? Certainly. Yeah. So uh, my name is Glenn Sizemore. I am a senior technical marketing architect here with VMware in our storage and availability business unit. And I am responsible for all things storage in the VMware Cloud on AWS service. Yeah, so we've uh, I mean, we've known each other a little while from uh, some of your your previous gigs, um, and uh, we, we were talking before we started recording how, how long it is since uh, since we've actually been in the same room together, um, and and through the magic of technology, we're not actually in the same room together now either. Um, but in your your current role, you, you just kind of said what that is working uh, in this this fascinating space of uh, VMware Cloud on AWS. Um, I think there's some some really interesting innovations and some some really interesting reasons why uh, VMware Cloud on AWS is is kind of getting uh, some some of the coverage and, and very deserved coverage that it's getting now. Um, but for people listening to the show, um, we will put in the show notes kind of a, the, the intro episode we did last year. But for people who are listening and and, and really can't be bothered plowing through previous episodes of this show, um, do, do you want to give people a bit of a background on what VMware Cloud on AWS is and, and, and perhaps why it exists? Yeah, sure. So uh, VMware Cloud on AWS is a managed service that is sold, delivered, and operated by VMware proper. Right, so this is this is VMware uh, selling, installing, and then maintaining VMware's own software. Now, uh, it's actually delivered as a partnership using Amazon's global infrastructure. So, so the servers that we provision, the bare metal hosts, because this is bare metal hosts, uh, they're they're actually running inside Amazon's EC2 infrastructure. So, it's a joint uh, uh, offering, right? Where VM where VMware has partnered with Amazon. Amazon provides the physical infrastructure that we deploy onto, and then VMware supplies the software that we deploy, and then all of the maintenance and operation systems that, that maintain it. And it enables customers to basically buy a production-ready uh, VMware Cloud SDDC anywhere in the world inside Amazon's global infrastructure. And that's um, that, that's got some really interesting value, hasn't it? And and I, I'll, I'll put a link in the, the show notes, I say, to the, the kind of tech field day videos that I saw you give. Um, and one of the things you talked about in there quite a lot was the idea that VMware Cloud on AWS kind of exists with hybrid deployments in mind. Is that something you can extend on a little bit and, and talk about what you mean when, when we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, VMC has this this really interesting attribute that that is almost just an artifact as a, as to where it runs. Um, but but when we built VMware Cloud on AWS, uh, building it as a managed service, that in and of itself has some particular you know requirements. Uh, it, it's basically forced us to bifurcate the VMware vSphere stack so that VMware operations could take administrative control and ownership over 
the host and and the management infrastructure, the network infrastructure, the storage infrastructure, so that as a customer who's consuming the service, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, right? The only thing that you, that a customer needs to worry about is the actual workload that they're running inside VMware Cloud on AWS proper. Now, <laughs> that that process, right? That 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 bifurcation it actually enables some pretty cool stuff, right? When, when, when we built it, we knew that customers weren't just going to be deploying in a pure cloud world, right? We built this understanding the fact that the vast majority of our customers were continued to, would continue to have a large on-premises in infrastructure that, that, in fact, for the majority of our customers, the majority of their infrastructure is going to continue to maintain on-premises. So, so this is really an extension of, of that existing footprint, and it's giving them the ability to seamlessly move in between. And, and to that end, actually built a, an extension into Virtual Center uh, that we call Hybrid Link Mode. It enables us to take this cloud-hosted uh, virtual storage, or sorry, a Virtual Center appliance, and then logically connect it to your on-premises a virtual center deployment, and they don't have to share a, a SSO domain between the two. It enables us to bridge two different SSO domains. And then as a virtualization administrator, when you log in, whether you log into the cloud-hosted appliance, if you're using the gateway, or your on-premises appliance, if you have hybrid link mode configured, then you, you, you get this logical view where you can manage both your on-premises infrastructure as well as that cloud-hosted infrastructure, and you can manage them both from that single pane of glass. And this is particularly useful for administrative functions like moving workloads back and forth. Since since we've got both environments inside that that common uh, virtual center UI, then if we want to move a VM, it's just a simple vMotion activity inside that existing UI. As if that wasn't interesting enough, we also actually have the same exact thing happening from the AWS side. Only, only in this instance, it's more of a networking extension. But since uh, NSX is is fully integrated and 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 tied into uh, Amazon's actual networking infrastructure as as part of uh, us deploying these vSphere hosts, we actually use Elastic Network interfaces. Uh, if you're familiar with AWS, this means that 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 workloads that are running inside VMware Cloud on AWS not only can, can they have full hybridity with that on-premises deployment, but they can also have hybridity with, with the actual AWS cloud infrastructure. So a customer can choose when they move a workload into VMC, you know, do I want to continue to, to move this into a virtual machine or do I want to take some of this application stack and then re-host it just in AWS services and, and, and use those in conjunction with my VM? So it really does enable an organization to take this fluid approach to solving challenges and just go wherever the solution is and allow vSphere to be the glue that en enables them to make those movements. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. You know, I'm I'm a, a big believer in that one of the one of the challenges, certainly the enterprises I talk to have with the migration to public cloud is that it's the complexity. Sometimes, you know, that uh, I think it looks great. You go to the AWS marketplace, you order your, uh, you know, you order your database service, and it just kind of you know, pop your credit card details in, and and up it pops in 15, 20 minutes, and and you're ready to go. But when you're starting to integrate, you, you kind of touched on a point there that for a lot of VMware customers, and certainly I think this is something we we see repeated in in the people that we talk to, is that for a lot of those customers, that on-prem environment is going to remain for a long time to come. And actually what people really want to be able to do is, is use cloud services and run their applications in the best location for that particular application at a particular time. 
and the solutions such as this, which start to integrate in with uh, kind of a platform and, a, and an environment that we know and trust, you know, so lots of people are used to kind of using virtual center and know how to manage their VMware environment to just put a seamless extension into uh, that that starts to utilize the services in AWS, I think is really powerful. And I mean, is that the kind of feedback you're getting that the enterprise are looking at that and saying, yeah, that simplicity, that abstracting the kind of the cloud complexity has got some real value for us. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and that was the market that, that drove the initial development and the first year of, of the, the, the platform's uh, life. But, you know, actually, <laughs> these days you can start to see th th this, this joint partnership between VMware and, and, and Amazon Web Services start to bear fruit for those enterprise customers in even more profound ways. So let's take that account that you were just referring to that that took that application and they moved it up into an AWS proper implementation. Along the way, they probably, for instance, took a SQL server or a MySQL server and decided, you know, we're not going to deploy this again. We're just going to consume RDS services because then we don't have to worry about anything except the data, right? Because we hand the rest of the problem off to a platform. Now, as those, those applications have grown in that pure cloud deployment, some organizations have found themselves in this position where, you know, now they've got a, a, a pretty important chunk of data that's just running inside a platform service. And that's great from a, a speed to market perspective and a simplicity of operations perspective. But without that total ownership, without the total co complete scope of where it's running and what type of infrastructure it's running on, you can't quite uh, uh, control some of those conditions. And, and, and the business becomes, you know, all of a sudden you become subject to, to uh, conditions outside of your control. So uh, what we announced at VMworld proper is actually this partnership in reverse. So for instance, we are now launching the ability to take those RDS services and then go ahead and re-host them back on premises on VMware vSphere through a partnership with AWS. So this is this really is a full bi-directional partnership and, and RDS is the first service where you can see this going both ways, right? We can take that application, which is traditionally in a VM, we can use either our integrated uh, migration capabilities within Virtual Center, or we can use some of our add-on products such as uh, SRM uh, and or HCX cloud extension to go ahead and do bulk migrations into VMware Cloud. Once we're in VMware Cloud, now we're cloud adjacent, we're sitting inside a VMware VPC. So if we want to go ahead and offload some data into the, the, the VMware Cloud infrastructure, it's a very convenient place to make that move because we don't have any of the uh, data migration costs, either, either ingress or well, egress, because there are no ingress fees rather. Uh, and then finally, if we decide later on that we want to go ahead and replatform again, we want to bring that back on premises. Well, we could either leave it in that PaaS service and just use an on uh, an, a planned migration capability using VMC as the stopping point to get it back on premises, or we could go ahead and use VMC as as the the uh, middle uh, midwife, if you will to go ahead and get that data back out of the cloud service, back into a virtual machine. And then once we're back in the VM containering format, then we can go ahead and do a migration elsewhere. So it really does be, become an enabling capability for an enterprise and or an MSB to just come in and, and, and use cloud services for what they were intended to be. A, a trial ground where you quickly solve problems. And then once the problem's solved, then you sit down and have that more advanced conversation about, okay, how do we want to live with this for the next 10 years? Where's the right place for us to run it? How are we going to protect it? How are we going to make it scale, et cetera, et cetera? 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's um, you know that, that's actually a great addition to, um, to to the show we did last week, where I, I spoke with Matt Watts about this kind of. Uh, changing maturity of attitude around the way that we utilize cloud. You know, this idea that cloud should be a strategic move as opposed to cloud being almost a, a diktat that says we must put everything in the cloud. Um, and I think that kind of that, that, that links in nicely with what you've talked about there. You know, you use cloud where it's appropriate. If that's for initial development work, then be able to have that grown up conversation because actually what you've done is you've built a an infrastructure, you've taken a strategic approach that says I can move workloads into the cloud back onto prem off to some you know geolocated colo somewhere you know i can i can do all of those things because i've got some some level of consistency between all of the platforms um you know so, so i think that's a that kind of grown up strategic approach gives you the kind of flexibility that you you've spoken about there and obviously one of the reasons actually i, I wanted to get you on was something uh, you, you talked about announcements at uh, this year's vm world in in vegas one of the things that um, you also did was some uh, some tech field day breakout sessions where you talked about uh, some kind of, some other developments that probably play in this space a little bit around giving you some some additional control over what you do with some of the data and, and how you utilize storage within within inside uh, VMware Cloud on AWS. Um, so I, I thought that was a really fascinating conversation actually and an interesting uh, an interesting technology shift. So I mean, can, can you give us a little bit of detail about what some of those announcements where and and what some of those plans are yeah certainly so uh let's go ahead and start off by just level setting uh we, we won't get into too many deals but uh the current service today if you come in the front door and you were to buy a vmware cloud and aws software defined data center uh today we have a single host type that that we deploy inside the amazon global infrastructure and this host is what's known as an i3 metal instance uh and it is a uh, 48 core Broadwell CPU system with 512 gigabytes of memory and uh, eight 1.74 terabyte NVMe SSDs, right? Uh, since vSAN is a shared nothing object store, we then take multiples of these hosts and we combine them into clusters. Now, once we, we remove all of the other overheads and account for everything, uh, we're looking at about 10 terabytes raw capacity for every host that we add into the cluster. That's a lot of that's a lot of storage, uh, and and from a cluster scale perspective, uh, we support clusters anywhere from three all the way up to thirty hosts inside our SDDCs. So, from from a total capacity perspective, that means that the service is somewhere between thirty and three hundred terabytes of total raw capacity. Actually, usable depends on policy config <coughs> depends on policy configuration. So, uh, while that's a lot. You know, you know, uh, and your listeners know, that's actually not that much compared to the amount of data that customers have uh, 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 accumulated at this point in in their pro- in maturity. So, in this first year of life uh, that VMware Cloud and AWS has been out in market, we found all sorts of aggressive workloads that that we've been able to to satisfy for customers, uh, and 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 real challenges that we've been able to solve. But one of the places where we've struggled, quite frankly is in capacity-heavy workloads. Uh, A a couple instances of capacity-heavy workloads uh, would be uh, something like 
uh, a, a, a pure DR as a service a target. If somebody was using VMware Cloud on AWS as the, their DR target for their enterprise, then that's a workload where you probably don't have many VMs spun up. Maybe you're reusing the SDDC for some dev test workloads, right? We don't want to just have it sit in there doing nothing. Uh, but nevertheless, the, for the most part, it's just a target for vSphere replication to just copy an instance uh, of those virtual machines into for, for DR purposes. In those use cases, uh, having to add a bunch of nodes to a cloud to a cluster so that we can get enough storage capacity to be able to store the workload—that's a challenge, right? It, it increases the cost solution for uh, because of those storage reasons. So, to address this capability and to give customers the ability to control those costs and remove the the total number of nodes uh, that are required inside the cluster. We, we've developed a new kind of storage for VMware Cloud and AWS and for VMware, or for vSphere proper, actually, although it's only being delivered uh, in part of the VMware Cloud and AWS service at this time. Uh, we call it Elastic Cloud Storage. Uh, and it is basically taking the VMware vSAN engine and running it on top of Amazon's EBS storage, right? Amazon's Elastic Block Storage. Uh, and this is going to, going to enable us to, uh, or sorry, this is going to enable customers to be able to, at runtime, build a logical server definition and control how much storage capacity is on each one of those nodes. Uh, initially, when when we when initially we're looking at uh, launching this capability uh, with a with uh, a. a capability of going anywhere from 15 all the way up to 35 terabytes per node. So that's a three and a half times increase uh, in the in the total capacity that we could address. So that that, that takes these VMware Cloud and AWS SDDCs, which today have a, a total capacity cap at right at 300 terabytes. Uh, once we get the Elastic Cloud storage nodes, uh, that that takes that cap and brings it up to about 1.1 petabytes, right? So it's it's just a complete step increment uh, from a total capacity and addressable workload perspective. But even as as big as that is, and and as powerful as that's going to be, uh, and we could talk about our our plans there and some of the roadmap stuff because that 35 terabytes that's just a launch capability. We will absolutely raise and tweak that over time. Um, but but nevertheless, you know, as you know, storage is a big gnarly vertical, right? There's a bunch of vendors in the space and there's a ton of products and, and they all exist for a good reason, right? Uh, it, it's because architecture is just a series of decisions and, and a product chooses to implement a certain way because they've decided to optimize for one condition over the other. And there are reasons for all of these things to exist and there are use cases where they excel. Uh, so if we want to be able to address the total market uh, from a capabilities perspective, that of course means enabling the total market from a storage vendor perspective. Uh, and doing that inside VMC is a bit of a challenge because it is a managed service, right? As a customer who's consuming one of these SDDCs, you don't have full administrative permissions on your hosts. And moreover, the hosts don't live very long. Uh, they're, they're being replaced on a fairly regular basis as part of our continuing patch process. Uh, so, so we can't have administrators going in and trying to manage micro details inside hosts, such as attach and detach data stores. We need the service itself to actually be knowledgeable of these of, of uh, these assets and manage them as it manages the hosts uh, through through their life cycle. So, for all of these reasons combined, we're actually developing VMC uh, external storage or the ability for VMC to manage external data stores. And initially, 
this is going to be an NFS offering. So uh, today, we've got the, kind of this HCI model where, where we, we have a single host type. Each host is about 10 terabytes of capacity. Uh, those, are, those are NVMe hosts. They're super fast, high performance, low latency. Uh, it's super easy from a service consumption perspective. But again, it's a challenge for those capacity workloads. Tomorrow, we're introducing Elastic Cloud Storage and our new R5 Metal Host instances, which will give us the ability to, to address uh, those, those uh, higher capacity use cases. And then in the future, we will turn on the ability as a, a customer to come in and add an external data store into your VMware Cloud and AWS SDDC. So that's, uh, you know, that, that, that's a really powerful capability, isn't it? Because as you said, that that starts to give us um, a level of parity to what we're used to within the enterprise. You know, the idea that we're running our, you know, vSphere instance, our VMware environment, you know, there's, there's nothing in there that dictates that we must run vSAN and that it must be a, a HCI type deployment. You know, this is all about flexibility that says, actually, you can have any kind of storage you like, as long as it meets certain criteria, but you can have any, any level of storage you like sat behind, um, you know, sat behind a, 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 a VMware a vSphere instance, uh, you know, and we can say, as long as I can present NFS or iSCSI or Fiber Channel, I can present my data stores to it and you've got flexibility. And, and things like vVols are a good example of that as well, where I'm actually going to extract the storage layer completely from there. Uh, so that all you see as a VMware administrator is the ability to create VMs and apply these kind of storage policies. So so I think it's important, isn't it, as we, we've talked before about removing complexity of public cloud, it's important that while we remove that complexity, we don't lock the door on having a having a level of flexibility. So, so actually this idea around uh, then support for some of these kind of third-party storage offerings, what's, what's the challenge that VMware have seen? You know, you've, you've already talked about, obviously, the idea that adding a level of flexibility, but what are some of the challenges that you've seen that have, have driven that kind of decision to support? And, and I saw in the, the Tech Field Day video, some, some early work you're doing with NetApp around their cloud volume service. But what, what kind of things has driven VMware to say, yeah, actually, we, we need to support these things? What are some of the other use cases that you've seen? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so, because this is use case. Yeah, long question. Sorry about no, that. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's a great question. Uh, because this capability really is use case driven. Um, you know, honestly, it, it isn't a preference thing. We're, we're, and actually, preference is the wrong point here. Uh, it, it's not a portfolio push. To, to use vSAN as the storage engine for VMware Cloud and AWS. It's really just an artifact of the environment. If we take a look at what Amazon is, Amazon is a high failure environment. You know, in, in actuality, does stuff just randomly fall over and die? No. But, but in aggregate, when you take a look at uh, Amazon's global infrastructure, stuff is constantly dying. And the odds of you being on one of those failing assets are high enough that we have to take failure into account. It's the whole chaos monkey thing, right? You just get used to shooting stuff in the head and then you don't have problems running inside that environment. VMware Cloud AWS has to exist inside that world. And, and vSAN gives us the ability to tolerate those failures, to go ahead and handle the fact that any one of these hosts can just go away at any point in time and we're going to have to rapidly roll a new host in and then the storage system is going to have to be able to recover from that failure in time so that we can have another failure occur without having a service disruption. Because again, this is a managed service. As a customer, you're buying an outcome. You're buying the ability to run X amount of virtual machines uh, inside a production-ready VMware vSphere installation that is being managed by VMware operations on your behalf. 
Now, as I said, uh, all architecture is a choice, right? vSAN's ability to survive those failures and and the the things that it do that it does. Um, that has some unique characteristics. And for some workloads, this is a problem. And and in talking to customers, you know, we've had customers come to us and say, look, you know, I really just want to use VMware Cloud on AWS as a disaster recovery environment. I don't really have any immediate plans around using you as, as a hybrid extension uh, to my on-premises installation. I just, I just want to solve the DR challenge. I don't want to have to have a colo and or a secondary site. This is particularly prominent in a lot of MSBs who, 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 who today, they don't have any plans. They don't have a secondary site. They've been fly, flying with their fingers crossed for the better part of 10 to 15 years, and they're trying to get their, their organization into a healthy state. Um, these customers... More often than not, they're really price sensitive, right? So they're trying to manage those costs. And since they don't have any plans around running or using VMware Cloud and AWS as ex an extension of their live environment, it doesn't make sense to have a compute asset, right? The ability to host VMware vSphere VMs running inside Amazon if you're not actually going to run those virtual machines. If the only thing you're going to be using it for is a storage target to replicate a copy of your virtual machines to, then that can become challenging from a cost perspective. So uh, to enable customers to purely decouple storage from cloud compute so that they could control those assets independently, that's really been the driving factor uh, behind the development of VMC-controlled external storage arrays. Um, one point of clarification before I dive into the use cases too, too much further, because I want to make sure that we, we get this clear to your listeners. Uh, we're starting just with NFS. So of course... Data store support inside VMware vSphere supports NFS, uh, iSCSI, and Fiber Channel, absolutely. Uh, Amazon is an IP-only environment, so there, that takes Fiber Channel off the list. We can't run FC there. Uh, we could run iSCSI because, of course, that is an IP-based protocol. But the ship is to choose, and initially, we're choosing to ship NFS. So we're going to start with NFS support. We're going to get that NFS data store support really locked down. We're going to make sure it's working for customers. And then and only then, once we've got NFS really working well, then we'll take a look at extending the, the service to include iSCSI. Uh, but, but initially, again, we're just targeting NFS. So I want to make sure I made that clarification uh, before we get too much further. Just targeting NFS. Just targeting, just targeting NFS. NFS. <laughs> so, so now let's really kind of pick apart and dive into some of the core capabilities inside uh, that, 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 that DR use case where we really see customers who kind of come to us and say, look, you got to give us the ability to decouple these two. Uh, one of the first and biggest drivers, array-based replication. Right, customers already have data mass challenges. They already have strategies for handling this, particularly larger organizations, larger enterprises. They already have multiple sites. They're already using products such as you know Snap Mirror to go ahead and move that data around and make sure they've got consistent copies in multiple different locations. And they want to continue to leverage uh, that same core management model inside a VMware Cloud and AWS environment. They don't want to have to you know use it, for a NetApp customer, let's just stay inside that ecosystem for now. They don't want to use SnapMirror for everything else and then vSphere replication for VMC. So today, of course, there's no way that they can do that. They have to use vSphere replication. Uh, but in the future, if we could attach an NFS mount uh, from, from an external storage controller, well, we know through NetApp's portfolio that they've got two to three ways to give me a data on tap storage controller in an Amazon cloud adjacent environment that I can put a SnapMirror to. 
So that's the first core use case. And, and again, we see that a lot inside the, the, the deployment. Another use case that we run into uh, is, is that's tied to this first one uh, is just customers that already have cloud-adjacent storage. This is particularly for things such as uh, an example would be NetApp's private storage offering, but but really this is this is any cloud adjacent storage controller. So it's taking a private storage controller, putting it in a cage uh, close to one of the Amazon cloud regions, and then using a cloud exchange env environment. More often than not, over Direct Connect, uh, we can go ahead and and route that controller into an Amazon VPC, and then we can leverage that storage target inside Amazon's cloud. For, for customers that already have those multi-cloud deployments, they just want to use VMware Cloud and AWS as another cloud, right? They're already using a centralized storage target to talk to Amazon and Google, uh, or sorry, Amazon and Azure, maybe Google on the side, uh, and they want to continue or they want the ability to target VMC in addition to that. Uh, and then finally, the, the last one, which is really interesting to me as, as just a data guy and a storage professional, uh, is there's a, there's a class of customer out there uh, that, that has identified a data sovereignty concern for VMware Cloud and AWS, but, it, but it's, not the, it's not perhaps the data sovereignty concern that, that you're thinking of. Uh, this is not about where in the world the data resides, because VMware Cloud and AWS can solve that through Amazon's regional model. Right, we are rapidly uh, uh, expanding the regions inside Amazon's global infrastructure that we can deploy a VMC uh, SDDC, and and we can just physically control that but through the region model. Now, when we're talking about data sovereignty in this context, what we're really talking about is there, there's a class of customer out there that has done a proper assessment of their infrastructure, and they've just identified the fact that you know not all of our data is the same. You know, and uh, for the vast majority of our data, uh, it is important to the business and, and we care about it. But there's this little pocket of data over here on the side that if anything were to happen to it, we're effectively closed, right? It would put us out of business or, 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 and or it wouldn't matter, right? Typically, this includes stuff such as customer information, core IP, uh, source code repositories, the kind of things that, that really are the heart of everything. Uh, if we accept the fact that, that data is the heart of the modern business industry, right? that means that some data is critically important. And, and there's just a class of customer out there that recognizes the fact that when you're consuming a managed service and you have an availability outage, that's a fine, right? If you're a business, though, and you lose access to that core data that you require to function, well, that's a death blow. And it doesn't do you any good that, that, that you have a bunch of SLA credits that makes it free to run in the environment for XYZ time period. You still lost access and, and everything's over, right? So for that class of customer with that level of concern, they've just identified and said, no, look... We will put the vast majority of what we have on your infrastructure, and we trust you. And, and this is this is not a trust thing; it's just a risk thing. And we are not willing to carry any risk when it comes to that data over there. We want it in a case that we control, in a storage controller that we purchased, being managed by administrators that we pay. For all intents and purposes, we need to be a sovereign nation when it comes to that data. And the only way that anyone can get access to it is we decide to give it to them. And honestly, man, after doing this for seven years now professionally, 
I totally get it, and I can't yeah, argue with I, it. I, I'm with you. I, I don't think you can. And, and actually, there's a couple of things you've said in there that that probably probably sum up really well kind of some of these moves around you know why why VMware Cloud on AWS is a useful service at all and actually this kind of external third-party storage support because the, the, the probably the two things that um, amongst a whole bunch of things I'll take from this but one of them was the idea of this is about designing platforms for outcomes. You know, this is not about a tech, you know, technology zealot, zealot kind of conversation that says I must have VMware or I must use AWS or I must use something else. This is about I'm designing an infrastructure that allows me to deliver business outcomes, organizational outcomes, and I'm going to focus on that. And actually, that second piece that you just talked about, that kind of idea of data sovereignty, that I think we we tend to find that ultimately. The data is the reason we do any of this stuff. You know, it's all about making sure that my data is secure, it's managed, it's controlled, it's available, and that I can extract value from it. I think you know they're they're the kind of mantras that that we hear in the conversations we have. And actually, I think that adding this kind of capability on top of what you can already do in VMware Cloud on AWS, you know, and you said you've got plenty of really great storage capabilities just natively within the platform. You know, what you've got now, what you're adding later with these kind of um, you know EBS type capabilities capabilities but adding this third party thing in as well just kind of rounds out that that kind of whole infrastructure play doesn't it to say we're giving you complete flexibility you can focus on the outcome but you can maintain the control over what ultimately is probably the um you know the key the key asset it's you said it kind of a couple times yourself there for a lot of organizations that data that they own that data is absolutely the business you know that's that's what they exist to you know without that data that's potentially a business ending event, you know, and it's um, so, so I think there's some, some really interesting shifts and, and I take it the feedback you you've heard from your enterprise customers around that is, is, is positive, you know, and they're, they're seeing that as uh, they're seeing that value and, and the way VMware are heading. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look today, when we talk to customers about the service, it, it is very much a qualifying conversation. It's okay. What, what kind of problem are you looking to solve? What types of workloads, you know, what, what are the resource totals you know can we support this workload in the first place and then finally what would the economics look like is that something that you can afford from an organization perspective yeah in the future when we have this full portfolio of flexible storage offerings our our hci scaling with the i3 nodes the flexible storage with our elastic elastic cloud storage capability and then our vmc controlled external storage capability I'm going to skip that first step and we're going to go straight to the economics because the answer is going to be yes, regardless of what challenge you're trying to solve. VMware Cloud and AWS can solve it. It's just, is this the right price point for you given the architecture, given the challenges, given your existing footprint? Yeah, that, and I think that's a, you know, and that's a, a, a great place to be, isn't it? That actually the outcome I can be delivered and then it becomes a, a question about, you know, something you said right at the beginning, it's about, can I deploy my application, my workload, my, you know, the, the thing that I'm looking to deploy is being able to put that in the right place at the right time for that application, for that, you know, for that tool, for that business outcome. It shouldn't be a conversation that is restricted by, oh, I need to do this here because technically it's too difficult to do anywhere else. So, you know, and I think that's a, that, that's probably a really nice, nice way to end this. And I, and I feel that we've 
we've only begun to scratch the surface of some of the capabilities and and the and the ever growing capabilities of this platform. But so so going, on, I mean, if people do want to kind of find out, we're, we're, uh, I mentioned the Tech Field Day thing a few times during this, and I'll make sure we we have those notes uh, in in the show notes. But um, if people do want to find out a little bit more about VMware Cloud on AWS, you know, what what's what might be a good way for them to do that? I mean, is there a way that they can can even try the platform out? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So there's a ton of information out there. Uh-huh. If just 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 Search for VMware Cloud and AWS. It's it's hard to miss. Um, but but uh, the one thing that, that I do want to make sure we touch on because it's something that that uh, we've recently turned on and it's a really powerful capability. Uh, when we first launched the service, right, one of the challenges that we had is, uh, you know, organizations coming in and saying, all right, with this dual operational model, with this uh, hourly consumption model, the different way to get vSphere, you know. Am I sure this is going to work for me? Is it worth the premium that the service carries? Because again, like you're paying for the operations team to manage the hosts in addition to everything else. You're buying an outcome, right? Not a, a software license. You're buying an outcome. Um, in, in, in that environment, uh, some customers need the ability to come in and just try it for themselves. So what we've done is we've we've built on top of, of VMware vSAN and its ability to dynamically rebuild clusters uh, on the fly and to recompose uh, the, the vSphere architecture. And we've actually built single node instances of our SCDC stacks. Now, uh, these are fully featured instances. Everything that you can do inside VMware Cloud and AWS from a service perspective is, is present in our single hosts, except data availability. Right, vSAN cannot make data highly available uh, with only a single host. So any data that's stored on that host, if we were to suffer one of those, uh, you know, bad days and Amazon loses the host permanently, we, we we are vulnerable to permanent data loss there. So so it's it's a proof of value. It's an opportunity for a customer to come in and at about five dollars per hour, uh, just 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 try the service, set up that instance. Go ahead, load your application stack. If you val- if you verify in the first couple of hours that it's not going to work, delete the SDDC, pay 15 bucks, get out of there. No big deal, right? Uh, if you like it, though, if it works, if, if the networking connects, if the application stack deploys, if your security guys are happy with the kinds of reports that are coming out of log intelligence, then you can go ahead and choose to, to go ahead and do an in-place scale up from that single host initial offering to a multi-host cluster in place. So it's it, it can be used as a proof of value to go ahead and increase confidence. Uh, and, and or honestly, you could use it as a proof of concept vehicle to go ahead and, and do a phase deployment inside the service. Yeah, I mean that sounds a great way of, of, of testing out the service for you know for not not a lot of money for potentially a, a lot of value. Um, so well, look, Glenn, uh, you know, just before we wrap up, if people have got other questions around kind of the stuff you've covered, or just like the sound of your voice and want to come and haunt you on the internet, is there a way they can do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, open DMs uh, as always inside Twitter. Feel free to hit me up at G L N S I Z E. Uh, feel free. Anything VMware Cloud and AWS, I'm more than happy to to go ahead and satisfy that. And then if you keep an eye on uh, virtual blocks uh, over at VMware.com, blogs.virtualblocks, uh, and or Storage Hub, uh, which is the centralized location where we put all storage-related documentation from within the storage and availability B- BU, uh, both those locations are just smashed full of, of great content. So keep your eye on all three of those, and you'll see just about everything that I do. Well, Glenn, look, um, I, I think it's been a fascinating show. Uh, loads of useful information, and it's, it, and it's amazing how rapidly uh, VMware Cloud and AWS is developing. Um, so, look, again, thanks very much for your time, and uh, look forward to having you on the show again in the near future. Thanks, Glenn. No, my pleasure, man. Take it easy. 
I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you enjoyed the show, why not leave us a review and subscribe? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>